Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. During the late 90s, sci-fi took a turn in the way reality was shown. None was this more evident than in The Matrix. Made in 1999, directed by the Wachowskis, The Matrix changed how we saw movies, creating its own signature style in bullet time cinematography. Neo must navigate the perils of a post-apocalyptic world, in which machines rule as he discovers what is The Matrix and what it means to be the one. The 13th Floor, made in 1999, directed by Joseph Rusnick, explores the ominous possibilities of computer-simulated universes where people think themselves real. Blending noir and sci-fi into a cohesive crime thriller, 13th Floor, much like its Matrix counterpart, is a never-ending fascination with what is real and how we perceive reality. Is this real? Are we real? Are we in the Matrix? What is the Matrix? Is Is it on the 13th floor? It is definitely on the 13th floor. (laughs) Well, I think the first thing for me that I really connected with, you know, being a gamer most of my life, just like you, right? Seeing how the 13th floor depicted VR innocence, virtual reality, basically, was not really that far off from what we have today. Exactly. It's, It's very much scanned into our brain in a certain sense, you know, we're still watching it off a TV, but we're using goggles instead of like laser beams. Uh, So, you know, it's, yeah, it pretty much was the forerunner for, actually, I would say both these films were forerunners for pushing us into the direction of VR or virtual reality, because at the time in 1999, like, it was right at the cusp of the 20th century going into the 21st century and we were all like technologically trying to advance just in in computers and and also gaming technology and even pop culture too was in a certain flux at the time capacitor and also it was it was in a flux capacitor <laughs> to coin the term I'm sorry i had to do that uh, i had to do that yeah of course well we're talking sci-fi here so these films are like the culmination of multiple sci-fi you know there's a little bit of star trek involved there's a, like a lot of themes of from like Star Trek, Blade Runner, like Videodrome even. A lot of these older films like really influenced, I would say, The Matrix and 13th Floor. You know, 13th Floor is like a great blend of film noir meets sci-fi, much like Blade Runner, which was kind of interesting because like I found um, the apartment that Douglas is in has a very similar bachelor pad to Rick Deckard in Blade Runner. The production design was very similar. I was like, they're referencing Blade Runner there. So I was like, oh, that's that's crazy. But as far as pushing back to the virtual realities side of things, you know, their depictions of how we jack into this imaginary world are a little different. In 13th Floor, it wasn't really a hardware jack into the back of your brain like it is in The Matrix. Yeah. It, it was more of a scan <laughs> of your temporals. A cerebral scan. Yeah. Cere- yeah, cerebral scan. Then it downloads your consciousness into a system that's been created by man. But, you know, with The Matrix, it's a machine controlled and created simulation that man has been put into to be controlled. As far as like the way they depict virtual reality, it's all about control and and who has that control. You know, I think a lot of people were questioning where does this technology lead us? Where is it going to lead us? You know, The Matrix is kind of like a warning to us 
for the birth of AI. You know, if we push AI to a certain degree and it advances to a certain point of no return, then man will lose control of it and humanity will be wiped from the face of the earth. Well, yeah, like when we create them, their brains are already that much stronger than ours and they learn so much quicker. Just think about the AI we have today. I mean, not really in a sense, but even the people I live with just got one of those robot vacuums, you know, that goes around your house and cleans it automatically. Like that's wild. That thing recognizes and maps out a whole room and knows where to go and not to go. Like that's... You heard about the robots that were developing their own language, right? Like they actually developed their own language and start talking to each other and we had no clue yeah what they were saying to each other so they could have literally been telling each other like we're going to kill the humans and we would have never known it and it could have been the birth of skynet there but you know the government's doing its thing so uh, why not let them build skynet and you know we'll just go into a terminator reality i was gonna say arnold arnold will try arnold's uh... gonna come back and kick the ass of all the terminators (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I'm keeping that in there because I'm a great honor impersonator. That's pretty good. It's not going to lie. It's pretty good. Yes. So what did you think? <laughs> uh, I'm not even going to try their Arnold impersonation. It's going to sound like, uh, I, don't even, I don't even know what it'll sound like. But <laughs> no, I mean, just, just with where we're at, kind of like what you're saying about VR with the Vive and the Oculus and seeing kind of where they started, because Oculus kind of really started the whole VR gaming, like the real deal, you know. You could get the thing with your phone. I remember uh, back when Samsung had that, I forget what it was called, but you could put your phone inside of it. And that was like VR, right, in a sense. But now we actually have those portable headsets from Oculus, the creators of you know the Oculus, that you hold two little things in your hand and you can pretty much take it anywhere and you could be transported to a world. And the thing is, we're seeing everybody using those, right? It's not just young people. It's all ages because we all are fascinated with the idea of escaping our reality. That's what, in a sense, I think you can agree with me here. That's what video games allow us to do is escape reality and go into another world and become somebody else. And with VR, we have that ability to truly take in that person's being and be them. We're still present, right, in the real world, but we're that much more integrated into kind of like with, you know, the 13th floor in the Matrix. We are those characters as opposed to just holding a controller or whatever and playing. We are actually doing all the movements ourselves. So we feel more like we are connected. With the Matrix, I think it also pushed forth the idea of wetware and how do we start to integrate cybernetics into our own bodies. Johnny Mnemonic, which was another Keanu Reeves movie that they did early 90s, I think. You know, he's just a kid there. That was like one of his first films. Ice-T is in it, I think. And there's a talking dolphin who has like a downloaded consciousness. And the thing, uh, you know, that's another film you guys should really watch. If you got a a minute. Um, (laughs) But the thing is, with that film, it kind of sets up the Matrix where they're... In that film, they had all the information was downloaded onto like a USB stick and you then just plug it into the back of your head. Well, continuing that tradition, Matrix has the fact that you jack in and you can upload any information or data into the person's brain just by a click of a button. So the Matrix kind of was pushing that uh, technology further and also just showing that this could be the way of the future at some point because people are talking about how to augment humans to become more powerful or more allowing them to adapt to new climate changes, even societal changes too. They're researching how to do that because these films really 
push us questioning what technology could do if it's treated wrong, I, I think. Yeah. And, and I believe we already have a lot of that being created and done under wraps. The public may never know about or maybe one day it will. But I believe we're already testing out those things under the closed doors, you know, of the government itself. Not to get all. Ooh, yeah. But- it's all about control. Governments will find ways to try to control their people. I mean, it's just given over the millennia of human history. And I think also there's always been this fascination of what could my residual self-image or what could be my digital representation of my digital self? What could it be? And how do I, as you said, escape this reality? Because, you know, a lot of people are unhappy with this reality. So they find ways to escape, whether that's video games, sometimes people read or, you know, there's all these different, you know, people do drugs, you know, to the that's like an extreme case where people are really trying to escape this world because they're tortured souls here put on this earth and they need that high to escape this reality. It really brings up the question like why that need to escape so prevalent in society itself. Well, I think you can answer it in in a way that people just have so much going on nonstop. We as humans, and we've talked about this in a past episode, we're always worked, you know, we're working nonstop most of the time and we never really stop and appreciate the time that we do have, right? And I think the time where we're, you know, watching a movie or playing a game or listening to music, whatever, whatever your thing is that you escape to, to, you know, get away from this reality, to get yourself out of the present. I think that's when we have our time to really allow ourselves to kind of be who we kind of maybe envision in a way, in a sense. And also it allows us to get get out of the, you know, the craziness and the just overall insanity that the world can sometimes bring uh, with us. And I, I think we saw that even more so uh, with the pandemic. You know, I think technology has advanced even faster. And like I was talking about with VR, same thing now, you know, people of all age groups are learning about technology that they may not have ever tried to understand because they didn't need it. And now everyone is relying on it because it's it's a way of life now. Well, we find ways to adapt to new situations. Mm-hmm. And I think we as a society, that's what we do. We, we're always ever evolving into hopefully the better version of ourselves, you know, and And that could be tied to the 13th floor. Exactly. That comes up in the 13th floor where, you know, the Douglas character is the perfect version of the kind of mass murderer version of himself. Spoilers, guys. Uh, but yeah, he, big he, spoilers. He, I mean, it's it's completely obvious from the start that he's the killer because he finds that bloody, you know, mm-hmm. uh, shirt in his apartment. You think he's being set up, but just the way he's really out of it at the start, it's like you kind of wonder once they start describing how the world works, it's like, oh, he's definitely the killer. He just doesn't know it yet. And lo and behold, he's the killer. It turns out he's the husband of Natasha or Jane Fuller, who, again, she's not who she seems to be at first. And that sense of what is the truth and trying to find the truth of reality itself. Like, who are you? It Even the film starts with, I think, therefore I am, a quote from Descartes. That theme continues throughout the film, whether it's in, you know, the AI representation of Jerry Ashton, his character wants out of the simulation, even though he's a program. And it's similar to how the Matrix is where you have a advanced 
AI that has that actually starts to develop a soul and a consciousness and then tries to get out of the simulation itself because they're sick of the just just sick of being trapped in their own prison because it, it, they see it as a prison. They've advanced beyond their programming to know that this is actually a prison and I need to be free. Yeah. And that, like we said, that applies to real life because some people I feel like view what they're doing kind of as they're in a prison right they can't escape they're kind of stuck in a a certain way and so when they have these opportunities to find other ways to try to get out i think you can tie that hand in hand with the you know what the matrix is trying to say outside of all the cool slow-mo and guns and explosions and all that stuff there's actually a really deep message there with the matrix they heavily based it on john uh, budgelard's i'm sure i'm butchering his last name but it's uh john budgelard similar and simulation and and it actually pops up in the film itself they actually uh, neo has a copy of it at the beginning of the film right before he sees the white rabbit that he's which is the visual cue for him to then go to the club and meet with trinity you know it's the wachowski brothers basically saying like this is heavily based on this furthering that he knows his world is not real and he then goes on the journey and just says fuck it i'm gonna literally follow what the computer is telling me to do which is kind of interesting that he's that he just goes along with it you know and and he's not really questioning like why is my i mean he questions that at first but then he's just like you know what fate and coincidence start to unravel and then he's like oh this is like too weird that it's starting to feel too much like the simulation things are just put in front of him and he just knows to follow yeah and you kind of have the opposite in uh, the 13th floor because douglas believes that his reality is the real reality and the 30s that they travel back to is the fake reality but in regard in the in, the, in real reality oh many realities there this is good this is going to confuse people but in reality douglas's reality is not the real reality neither is the 30s the real reality is from the future which is not seen until the very end of the of the movie wrap your head around that exactly one. and but, but <laughs> Also, one can argue, is that even the, the real reality? What is the real reality too? reality? Yes. Well, that's that's what I love about 13th Floor is the different layers of the multiverse, if you will, that are portrayed in it because you have the reality of the 30s, as you said, then you have Douglas's what he thinks is his reality, and then you have the reality of from which the murderous version of himself comes from and his wife, and then we don't see that until the end of the film, and that's supposed to be in the future 2024. The funny thing is, is like, it's not too far off from our own future, you know, it's in three years, well, this is 2021, so yeah, in three years, we could have buildings that look like that but in a sense though the cinematography of of that scene that at the very last shot of 13th floor we really it it almost feels like a dream like this man you know douglas is waking up to his wife on the couch very dreamlike and very ethereal looking and just in the color palette very orange warm colors and stuff uh as opposed to the very stark contrast of the coldness of his simulated reality and also even the sepia tone of the 30s reality it's like a real harsh and it's very contrasted too so you kind of wonder is he still awake and then like it when it cuts the last shot it turns off like a tv we were watching we were just watching we were just another reality a form of reality a reality television show (gasps) oh Exactly. This is the first reality <laughs> television. <laughs> no, but like, you know, it, it, it has that multi-layered 
sense of reality. And, and I think it's one of the best films that came out during the late 90s. I can't believe it came out during the same year that The Matrix came out because, again, you know, the two films deal with similar issues of reality and control and AI. For me, I was going to say The 13th Floor, I, when I was watching it, it, reminded me of a movie that came out in 1997, actually, before The 13th Floor. And that's uh, The Game. I don't know if you've ever yep. uh, heard of it or seen it by David Finch. Yeah, with Michael Douglas. Yes. And to, to just catch people up, basically, it's Michael Douglas's character, his brother creates this game for him pretty much to play and throughout the movie it gets increasingly more uh graphic and just strange and at the end it's kind of is it real or is it not real and that's exactly what i got from the 13th floor and as soon as the 13th floor started i was like man this is a lot like the game so i looked up the game and i saw it came out in 97 i was like oh i wonder if they you know took influence and inspiration from the game because the game is also a thriller mystery much like the 13th floor that whole simulation also the holographic type of game comes from Star Trek. They had it in the holodeck, especially in Star Trek Next Generation, also on Star Trek Voyager. Those all came out during the 90s. And during the 90s, we were really pushing, you know, video games were in its infancy and computers were starting to show up in every house. So that whole idea of where does the technology, as I said before, where does the technology where is it going to lead us? Everyone was also freaked out by Y2K in the year 2000. All the electronics in the world they thought were going to shut down. The world was going to end. You know, there was all these predictions and Y2K comes around and we're still here, guys. Or are we? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Once that ball dropped, we don't know if we got abducted by aliens and were uh, thrown into a simulation ourselves. But other than that, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> You know, I'm getting a little off topic here, but you know, uh, <laughs> so it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a film detectives podcast. Well, unless you know, we af- after the past once. four years, I I wouldn't put it past us that we were living a simulation. So, <laughs> but <laughs> I would say, you know, now that things are starting to get back to normal, sort of that sense of reality, you know, people do question it because there are things that you can't explain that are, you know sometimes can be just unexplainable or who knows, maybe we are in a construct multiverse that is just being governed by an entity or entities, who knows. But there's been all these theories of what that multiverse could be and what's at the center. You know, it's it's the questions of the universe that scientists have been trying to answer for many thousands of years and stuff. And again, just philosophical points that The Matrix brings up. At the time when it came out, I hadn't seen anything like it. It brought like a breath of fresh air to that sci-fi genre of post-apocalyptic world, the heroes trying to fight a evil AI. Very similar to Terminator, similar archetype, but it had like a different layer to it. It had layers upon layers in itself. No one had really done that at the time, um, except for 13th Floor, which is kind of taking that story to similar realms, but they kind of put their own spin on it, which I I thoroughly enjoyed because it was very like a neo-noir science fiction and had a very cool vibe to it and still made you question things. But I thought Matrix, I think, delved more into the philosophical, whereas 13th Floor just kind of gave you more of a baseline multiverse sci-fi. We're going to solve the crime type of film. Yeah, I would say that The Matrix is is more of your blockbuster, a bigger type of movie. And I feel like the, the characters in The Matrix weren't near as 
Uh, they didn't have much depth, if you really think about it. Except for Morpheus. Morpheus, I felt, had the most depth of all the characters. Uh, maybe Neo second. But, you know, like with Trinity and the rest of the gang, you know, they're very, like, uh, supporting... They're pretty, like, one-level characters. They don't really change much. And it's almost like they're, like, the pre-programmed versions of themselves, and they're just kind of following a script, of course. Uh, but, like... <laughs> You know, no way. In Greek mythology, Morpheus is the god of dreams. He deals with reality and, and dreams and dimensions. You know, naming Morpheus Morpheus like has a very direct link to a lot of Greek mythology that comes up because it has Plato's allegory of the cave, where the cave, a bunch of people are stuck in this cave and they all they see what they believe what the reality of their world is is what's literally two feet in front of them, and that's it. And that's the edge of the cave. And anything Beyond that, it does not exist. You know, that's their kind of concept with the Matrix is that everyone's trapped in the Matrix, cannot see the truth. And that truth is that they're literally in a simulation and they're being manipulated by these machines and they're being used and used for power. Yeah. Are you are you secretly Oracle? Because when you talked about dreams, that's literally one of the things I wanted to talk about uh, in regards to the 13th floor, because that movie made me think about our whole uh ability to dream right how we feel touch taste like for me right this is what i've i've always been so fascinated with dreams because when you're in a dream you can you can taste you can smell you can feel but you're not awake right but as soon as you wake up you still kind of have that idea i mean at least i do of like what it felt like or what it tasted like but you can't recreate that but you still felt like you experienced it and i feel like that's exactly what happens in the 13th floor and the Matrix, for that matter, in the 13th floor, when Douglas goes into the 30s, he's living as the as his doppelganger, per se, you know, in that time period. But he's feeling he's, you know, tasting, he's touching like when he gets shot, he's feeling all that in the real world. And just like when we dream, you know, if we're if we ever, you know, get shot or something, we feel it. But when we wake up, we we can't recall quite what it felt like but when we're dreaming we can feel it which that just like dreams are so fascinating to me and these movies really made me think about the whole concept of how dreams work and everything and it's just it's so cool to me <laughs> one theory with dreams though is that we're when we dream we are actually tapping into a different multiverse or a different reality in itself because i've had dreams where they feel so real that when you wake up in this reality, it feels like, oh, like, like I, I feel sometimes I've woken up where I'm like, I don't know where I am. You get that sense where, you know, I've had dreams where they're so vivid and you, as you said, you can feel, you can taste, you can touch. Uh, I haven't smelled really. It's interesting how the mind creates that reality when you go into an art like a REM sleep and you're that deep into the dream itself. I think what also the Matrix kind of brings up is like, you know, the mind or the body cannot live without the mind. That theme comes up in both films where what happens to the mind in the simulation, that is like the defining thing between life and death. If you die in the Matrix or if you die in the simulation in the 13th floor, you will die. In the real world, that whole connection between, yeah, as you said, 
reality and dreams, they're one in the same because I do believe like when we do dream, we're tapping into kind of that other world. And, you know, whether that's believing we're a hero in, in another realm or whatever, it could be anything. There's also dreams that mean something psychologically too. You dream a certain way, you know, because you're either going through something in this reality that's either very painful or you're experiencing certain emotions in this reality and then they have an influence on how you dream and what you think about when you sleep. It's just how our minds work. It's just how the brain works, you know? <laughs> going back to the two films, I thought it was really cool, a similarity I saw. When Neo realizes that he is the one and can see the Matrix, right? Because he's actually seeing the simulation. And then when Douglas drives out uh, the edge of LA to where Arizona should be and sees the simulation there too. I just thought that was that was beautiful because both shots are very similar. It's over the you know over the shoulder, very wide shot, and you're seeing the simulation from both films. And I thought I thought that was a really cool comparison that they both did a similar thing with when the main character realizes that the coding and the design, yeah, like well the design is very similar too because they use that whole black and neon green. Yeah. Look, and I was like, "Wow, you guys ripping off each other or what?" <laughs> so, because it, it's 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 literally they came out the same year, guys. They and they they literally use the same design for their simulated reality. And I think it's just you know they're doing different things with the style and the genre, but I, I think you know the Thirteenth Floor is the more tame version, and then. You yeah, know, I Matrix kind of just pushes it to another level because they had a lot of also influence from like Kung Fu movies and Asian philosophy in there, as well as you know Greek philosophy. You know, it's like it's just a culmination. But also it's it's an allegory for what it means to be a transgender as well, because, you know, Neo is trying to find who he is in the world and how he fits into that world. And he has to change to become what he's meant to be, which I thought was really interesting. And if you think about it also, a lot of the women in the film are very kind of androgynous. They're not like your typical Hollywood glam, you know, glam no, blonde, uh -huh. except for the actual red, the girl in uh, the, the red, girl in the red dress, girl in the red yeah. dress. But that's kind of them saying like that's the ideal of the Hollywood glam, and we're doing something completely different here, <laughs> and it's that's just a stereotype. Where what we have is again going back to what re is real. This is our reality, and what is our reality? And for I think the Wachowski brothers, their reality was that sense of not belonging and not feeling in control of their own lives in a certain degree, not knowing who they are yet. You know, and I, I think that's what we all question. Who are we in this world that we're in? What is our role? How can we live and adapt in it? And how do we kind of fight the, the simulation of control and power that oppresses us? Also, side note, black trench coats, black button ups, black Black shirts, still a super cool look, even in 2021. Heck yeah. I mean, oh Those my glasses too. Those glasses are sweet. <laughs> I get so jazzed at the very end of Matrix when he he's literally hangs up the phone and it's Rage Against the Machine, wake up, and 
he just you know puts on the glasses so coolly and and just looks up into the sky and he rockets away it's just he the just most flies away it, it well the funny thing is is like the wachowskis you could tell were hugely influenced by comic books kung fu movies oh, science yeah. fiction philosophy and they just threw it all into the matrix which i think was a perfect way to how they geeked out and just were like oh this is so cool like this is what we love and it's just their homage to everything they love most directors you know they'll shoot films that they have like a certain affinity for you know a certain uh genre affinity for and you know i I think the wachowskis are really strong directors in that sense because they shoot what they want they do what they want and they have their own particular voice in it you know much like even 13th floor joseph rusnak he i think was very influenced by Humphrey Bogart and the 30s and that whole noir sense because you get that feel like at the start of the film it it has a very like almost Maltese Falcon Casablanca type of vibe to it just without black and white it's just in color sort of also um, Chinatown comes to mind as well but then it takes a total turn and does its own thing and brings in the sci-fi element of questioning using technology as a form of control and a way to jack into another world yeah i think you can kind of tie these films to the who what when where why how who are we why are we here what are we doing what are you doing here when are we when are we when are yeah when are we and like what uh, time period and 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 how are we how are we going to get to where we want to go or what we need to do you know i i had it i had it in my mind it almost you know i needed i needed an oracle there to to help me to yes, tell me what i, I needed to formulate to the end thank you thank you but yeah no I, I think at the end of the day it's it's just you know looking into ourselves at where we are right now what we want to be and also just kind of existence in general it's okay to question what's going on in the world and what's going on in your life in general. It's, it's, I think those, these films last do that. Cause if you don't question anything and you just walk through life with a blindfold on and you're just covering your ears and just paying no attention to the, the world outside, you know, you're going to have a very lonely life and also you're going to miss a lot of great things in the world too. I think that's what these two films also are saying is that you need to open your eyes, free your mind. <laughs> Don't get caught in our matrix. Find your own floor, just not the 13th. Ooh. Ooh. Drop the mic. <laughs> That's good, man. If you like this episode, follow us on social media at Film Detectives for further news and upcoming shows. Join us next week as we explore filmmakers from around the world. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.